When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 99. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there and welcome back. On today's show, we are talking about how, exactly, to raise eco-conscious kids. It's cliche, but it's true. Our children are always watching. I think most of us parents assume that because our kids are always watching us, they will just naturally pick up on our low waste or our environmental ideals. We're leading by example every day on the big actions and the small ones, the big ones being being conscious of our air travel and eating plant-based most or all of the time. The small actions that we do each and every day might be using a rain barrel to conserve water or repurposing old clothes into napkins and rags. We're doing all these things day in and day out, right? And they're watching, so they're naturally going to be eco-conscious adults, right? Well, it's certainly true that our children are always watching, but they're not just watching us. They're learning from their peers. They're learning from advertisements. They're learning from society in general, and what they're learning is a completely opposite message. Now, all these sources of information, they send conflicting messages And while I personally have tried my absolute darndest to raise eco-friendly daughters who are completely oblivious to the newest and the flashiest and the latest and the greatest item, I'm finding that doing so gets harder and harder as my daughters grow up. Now, here's just a real-life example from yesterday. As it was time to usher my five-year-old out the door and into the car to get to kindergarten, I noticed that she deliberately, and more than once, left her backpack behind with all its contents, like her books and her lunch, etc., etc. It was no accident because she did it twice. (laughs) She was originally reluctant to tell me why she didn't want to bring her backpack to school, but eventually it came out that she doesn't like her backpack anymore. And she wants to have a new backpack, just like her best friend. If you're a parent with a youngish daughter, I know you know the backpack I'm talking about. It's the one with all the sequins that change color when you run your hand up or down them. So, yeah, right? Not only is her existing backpack 
perfectly fine. It performs its utility of holding her stuff. That's what a backpack is, right? Then there's also that sequins issue. Sequins are plastic. They're small. They're pointless. They will contribute to plastic pollution. And while most parents in the world would not bat an eye at purchasing this cool new sequin-filled backpack for their daughters... I am struggling over here, and I'm sure that some of you listening are too, because while I don't want my daughter to be embarrassed by her existing backpack, and while I don't want her to feel as though she's lacking, I don't want to buy junk when she already has a perfectly fine backpack. It's hard to explain sustainability to adults. It's even harder to explain sustainability to children. On this episode, my goal is to make raising eco-conscious children slightly easier for you and for me as well as I seek to navigate around those obstacles in my own home that include two daughters who are growing more and more interested in stuff. Today's show is organized into two parts. The first part, Act 1, is all about younger children, and I offer five strategies to implement today with young children. The second part of the episode, Act 2, is specifically geared for parents of older children. And while today's show certainly will not solve all of our shared parenting conundrums, my hope is that some of the ideas I offer will inspire you to get creative about how exactly to make eco-consciousness a staple in your home more so than you're already doing day after day. Now, before we jump into today's episode, longtime listeners know that there are few things I love more than my morning coffee, and that's why I am so thrilled that this week's episode is sponsored by SF Bay Coffee Company. SF Bay is one of my top ethical gift suggestions this holiday season. You might have checked that out in episode 97 of this podcast, all about ethical gift giving. SF Bay is one of my top gift suggestions, and that's because SF Bay Coffee is coffee with a conscience. They created the first commercially compostable coffee pod that fits in most single-serve machines. And if you don't have a Keurig, don't worry, SF Bay is well on its way to making all its packaging home compostable by April 2020. I am so loving their holiday blend right now. It has notes of cinnamon, cocoa, has a hint of hazelnut and cherry, and their holiday blend has really helped me get into the holiday mood. Learn more about SFBay's commitment to sustainability and purchase their amazing blends via the link in this week's show notes or at sfbaycoffee.com. All right, so here we go. Act one, five strategies to create eco-friendly kids if you have young kids. My first idea is to give them the why. So my five-year-old, she knows how to recycle. She's pretty good at sorting the recycling correctly. She knows what's recyclable and what isn't. But what she doesn't understand is the why. When teaching the why to your kids, whatever it may be, whether it's recycling, whether it's conserving water, when teaching the why, make it fun. 
Continuing with the recycling example, make it fun by bringing them to your town's recycling center. Let them throw those glass bottles down the chute. Keep it upbeat, too. There's no need to bum out young kids just yet, so keep it upbeat, keep it fun. As with anything in life, if kids understand the why, they will be so much more likely to not just get on board, but actually be enthusiastic going forward. Next up is to get outside every single day. And the reason is simple. If our children love nature, they will be more likely to fight for it. So foster a love of the outdoors in your young children and make sure you're going outside even when the weather is not so great. While young children will benefit from scavenger hunts and gross motor adventures, the outdoors provides the perfect classroom, so to speak, for older children. And we're absolutely not talking about older children right now, but this is one of those strategies that works for children of any age. Encourage a childhood that's overflowing with those simple pleasures like exploring the creek down the street, turning over rocks, looking for whatever lives below those rocks, fishing even, camping. Those are all simple pleasures that we as parents have the power to introduce to our children. I believe that those adults among us today who have strong environmental ethics, they have those strong environmental ethics because they were given ample time outdoors as children, and I have no hard and fast research to support that. It's a personal belief of mine. Now, if you don't have a creek, if you don't have hiking trails nearby, if you don't even have open space nearby, perhaps you live in an urban environment, no worries. Just providing a regular and consistent dose of unstructured playtime in a backyard or a park can be so much more impactful than you think, so don't overlook it. And finally, when we're talking about getting outdoors, know that getting outside is one of those suggestions that you can never do too much of, right? No one ever gets too much fresh air, unless, of course, you live in a place with extremely polluted air, but that's not most of us, right? If your kids are not currently outside much, dress them appropriately and get them out there. If you're killing it at outdoor time, pat yourself on the back and then get your kids outside even more. All right, next up, strategy three for raising eco-conscious kids when your kids are young is to make everything into a game right? Who doesn't love a good game? I love a good game and I'm 35. Make conserving water a game. Know that, for example, the average family of four in America uses 400 gallons of water a day. So hold up a gallon jug, show your young child what a gallon of water looks like, and then tell them that the average bath during bath time uses 70 gallons of them. Draw on the side of the tub with one of those washable crayons how much water is used in the tub one time and then try to beat that line the next bath time. Another example into making this into a game is to give them a cup of water to brush their teeth instead of leaving that faucet running. 
Another example that has absolutely nothing to do with water is to enact that clean plate club in your household. This was a staple in my house growing up, the clean plate club. You didn't actually get a prize if you were a member of the clean plate club. You just, you know, got some special recognition for eating everything on your plate. Hence, clean plate club for those of you who have never heard that before. Make sustainability into a game. Make it fun and watch your young children just jump on board. All right, strategy number four, oh my gosh, we're flying through, is to teach your young child where his or her food comes from. Now, the reason behind this suggestion is simple, right? When children and adults too, to be honest, but when, pe- when children know where their food comes from, they're more aware of the world around them and even more importantly, they're less likely to waste it, right? If you as an adult have ever tried to grow a vegetable and you've learned through experience, through firsthand experience, how hard it is or how hard it can be to grow a vegetable, you're so much less likely to waste that vegetable as well as any vegetable that ever hits your plate in the future. It may be surprising, it may not be surprising that many children in the world today lack a basic knowledge of where their food comes from. I'll link to this research in the show note, but a recent survey quizzed 1,000 children under the age of eight as to where food came from, and 41% of them did not know that eggs come from chickens. They also didn't know that milk comes from cows. Eating whole foods is better for children's health, of course, but it's better for the planet too. Now, how on earth do you teach a child where food comes from? Well, again, make it fun and keep it light. Fun and light. Those are (laughs) reoccurring themes with the young child strategies. The first one, of course, is to plant a garden. The key here when growing a garden is to include your young child in all phases of the growing process from seed to harvest. Don't expect any help, but just use it instead as a learning tool. Another little trick here is to plant foods that your young child likes to eat. My daughters go absolutely nuts for the sweet peas and the green beans. They will eat them right off the vine. Now, if gardening is either impossible for you where you live or just not something you're too interested in, you could perhaps make weekly trips to your local farmer's market. That is such fun for young kids. Or you could sign up for your local farm CSA program and make sure that you pick one in which getting into the fields is part of the deal. For example, my local farm, shout out to Sienna Farms, by the way, but my local farm hosts two events, two family events every fall, and both events are the absolute highlights of the season for not just my husband and me, but also for my daughters. The first event is the farm tour. I'm going to paint a little picture for you. Think big bonfire at night, food trucks. Ice cream that's made from the crops that are grown on the farm. Good ice cream, by the way. Face painting. Wine and beer for the adults. Live music 
and a walking tour through some of their fields. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen some real gorgeous photos of my two daughters frolicking, literally frolicking, amidst rows and rows as far as the eye can see of kale. And by the way, guess what we're eating for dinner tonight? We're eating kale grown in that field, tossed with some garlic, some olive oil, and some pasta. Now, the second event that my farm puts on every single harvest season is that annual carrot pull. So again, another little picture being painted for you. Daytime bonfire, because it's super cold, warm apple cider, and pulling carrots. Now, I'm going to make a bold statement here, and it is this. There's absolutely nothing more thrilling for a young child than to tug on some carrot fronds with all his or her might until a bright orange carrot pops out of the ground. This is literally (laughs) the biggest thrill for both my five-year-old and my two-year-old. Teach your young children where their food comes from. Use a variety of different methods to do so, but make sure they understand how hard it is to grow whole foods. Finally, strategy number five, make birthdays and holidays smaller. Now, of course, this is another one of those strategies that works for young kids and older kids, but know that I put this in the young kids category because I firmly believe that if you have young children, the time to make holidays and birthdays smaller is right this second, right now. It's not when your children are 10 and they have had 10 years to get used to being spoiled on special days. It is so much harder to take away from them. It is so much harder to scale back once you've already gone big than it is to start small and stay small. I feel as though I've said this until I'm blue in the face. But if you missed it, (laughs) consumerism is killing our planet. As parents, it is our job to fight back against the culture of consumerism that surrounds us. It is on us as the wise and mature adults to say enough is enough. Because our kids are kids. They do not have the wisdom. They do not have the maturity to discern hype around that new it item from reality. They need us as parents to do it for them. Mindless consumption ends when families intentionally make birthdays and holidays smaller. It also happens when parents no longer try to keep up with the Joneses and when they instead decide to prioritize experiences over stuff. Now, if like many parents, you worry that small birthdays and holidays will leave your kids deprived, know that I hear that. This is an especially pressing concern for adults who as children grew up with little. No one wants their child to be depraved. I don't want my child to be depraved with her backpack that's not as cool as the sequined one. But I also don't want my child to be spoiled. So she's not going to be getting that new backpack, by the way, if you were wondering. Know that there are not any right answers here. And... There aren't any wrong ones either. So what works for your family 
is what needs to happen in your home, I just suggest, I and I gently suggest, that you constantly do some inner searching as to whether your gift giving to your own kids is on the right side of that line that you have drawn in the sand. And I say that because it's so easy to get out of control with gifting your own children. So constantly assess and then reassess and then speak to your spouse or partner and then assess again that you are gifting appropriately that's in line with your values and that you're not gifting too much simply because you can. Moving right along to five strategies for the older kids. The first one is to personalize the why. So we talked about giving younger kids a why. For the older kids, we're personalizing that why. And that's because kids are more likely to keep up with eco-conscious behaviors if they understand why these behaviors are important. Teenagers in particular are all about me, 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 right? So personalize these behaviors with reasons that are relevant to the specific kid. Instead of generalized statements like do X or Y to help the planet, find ways to associate the behavior with something that the child cares deeply about. So the first example that comes to mind is a kid who loves fishing or a kid who loves eating seafood. Talk to them about why keeping waterways clean are important for fishing and for, again, eating seafood. For a child who loves beach-related activities, surfing or anything that involves a beach, it's easy to pose the question, well, what would this activity look like if this beach was trashed with plastic? As with most things with teenagers, if it relates directly to them, they're more likely to take action. All right, next up, I love this one. This one's so creative. It is to examine the electric bill with your older child. Now, this is a great potential solution for those children who always leave the lights on or for those children who take really long, hot showers or for those children who do their own laundry but get lazy and just throw it all in the dryer instead of hanging it up. Despite your constant nagging, these eco-detrimental behaviors still occur in your household with your older child or children. The solution is to bust out your electric bills, maybe your last three. Your actual bills, take them out of that file folder or wherever you keep them and put them on the table. Brainstorm with your older child about how it would be possible to lower that bill by saving on electricity each month. Ask your child or children, what fun things could they do with that extra money instead and let your child spearhead ways to lower that electric bill. Let them get in charge of the energy savings by saving money for a fun experience as the goal. Now, some ideas your child may come up with on his own or her own, like turning down the heat, 
and putting on a sweatshirt, for example. That's one that I'm fighting a constant battle with in my house in New England, November. But other tried and true techniques for lowering that electric bill, like lowering the temperature on the water heater or washing clothes in cold water, those tried and true methods may need your probing. And if so, probe away. But the ultimate goal here is to lower your electric bill by getting everyone in your home, especially those members who are reluctant, involved. I love this suggestion because it empowers older kids to take the lead. And when it's done, everyone gets to enjoy some good old-fashioned quality family time in the form of an awesome experience. So you really do have to take that extra savings on that electric bill, put it aside, and do something fun with it. You get the picture. All right, suggestion number three for getting older kids involved in eco-friendly behaviors is to channel eco-anxiety into action. Now, it's 2019. Climate change is talked about all the time, everywhere, and older kids certainly know what's going on. Thanks to the youth climate strikes and social media and even climate change's prevalence as a topic in pop culture, Our children are more attuned than ever to the environmental uncertainty that awaits us all. And while it's wonderful that climate change is finally being talked about in frank terms, there's a huge downside to such chit-chat, and that downside is eco-anxiety. I did a whole episode on eco-anxiety with my friend Laura Durenberger. Check it out if you missed it. Eco-anxiety can often be debilitating, and four out of five 10 to 12-year-olds report feelings of fear and hopelessness when they think about the future of planet Earth. Instead of allowing eco-anxiety to just fester in your older child, it's possible to help our children channel that fear and that hopelessness into action by viewing fear as an energy instead of an ailment. And that's a direct suggestion from Laura Durenberger, guest on the eco-anxiety episode. Now, how do you do that? How do you channel fear into an energy? Well, it's by protesting peacefully. It's by campaigning for preferred political candidates. It's by contacting companies that you see behaving badly. It's by educating others about climate change. It's about supporting the youth climate movement. It's just about getting moving. And so with your older kids, get moving. Channel that eco-anxiety into action. All right, idea number four is to vote. So you, the adult, the parent, vote your heart out and include your older child in the process. Even if they're not yet of voting age, include them in the process. I remember as a young kid going to the polls with my mother and pulling the lever to cast the vote. It was so much fun. It was an introduction to democracy, really. And raising politically engaged youth is so important when we think about ensuring the future of our planet. So become civically engaged with your local community on the state level, 
on the national level and be part of that change. The truth of the matter is that our elected officials have more impact on the future of this planet in one day than you or I can have in a lifetime. It pays to get involved and to get vocal and to make sure that our children are rip-roaring and ready to exercise their civic duty by voting when their time comes. Now, how do you do this with older kids? You are watching those televised debates. You are then having conversations about them. You are attending community forums and town halls. You're getting involved in the campaigns of the candidates that support your values. Then you vote and you make sure your older children are involved in that process. Now, finally, strategy number five for raising eco-conscious kids when your kids are older is to let those older kids lead on the small projects and also subsequently let them experience small wins. Oh gosh, what does that mean? It means that no one likes a lecture, right? (laughs) Especially teenagers. Resist the temptation to simply tell children what to do. Instead, set up situations that enable older kids to explore and test and come to conclusions on their own. I hear a lot of big claims like saving the oceans or eliminating straws. And those big aspirations are certainly lofty goals and they're certainly important. But it's important to not neglect those simpler and localized goals either. Set your child up for a small win on the small scale with a small project, like perhaps doing a beach cleanup. A beach cleanup, easy-ish to organize, a beach is clean when it's over, and there's a win that will motivate that older child to continue with his or her efforts. Another example is if your household isn't currently composting, empower your older child to set up that home composting system. Encourage your older child to spearhead a bottle drive at his or her school. A child who sees his or her efforts translate into success before his or her eyes (laughs) is much more likely to take the next step than somebody who works tirelessly for this grand ideal where success or where completion will never be found. So I'd love to hear from all of you. How are you raising eco-conscious kids? I gave you 10 suggestions today. I'm sure there are hundreds more. So send them my way. Reach out to me on the socials or drop a comment in our private Facebook group, Sustainable Minimalists on Facebook, and join the conversation, please. Now, this week's eco-tip is from Crystal. Crystal, listen to my recent episode on planned obsolescence, episode 95, if you missed it. And she had an additional tip for keeping your smartphone lasting longer. And she says to buy a phone with a larger storage capacity. So a bigger upfront cost, but savings in the long run. And that's because for the longest time, she would buy that zero down cheap phone, which also translated into a small storage capacity, which meant that then all those software updates that keep coming every month or so, all those software updates would use up that space 
quickly. So she'd have to replace her phone more because that storage was filled up simply with the storage updates. She bought a phone with higher than standard storage capacity and it's more than enough. She expects to get years out of this phone in terms of storage. So I love it. Thank you so much, Crystal, for offering that up. On next week's show, we are talking about dun 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 Black Friday. We're discussing how this day originated, why it's terrible, and what other things you and I can do this Black Friday instead of shop. I will see you then. Have an awesome week. Take care.